in Hebrews, and I won't be there long, I don't think, unless the Lord makes me. But in Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, For who having heard rebelled, indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now, with whom he was angry forty years. Who's he talking about? The children of Israel, obviously. Amen? Okay. Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Father, please, again, I beg you to guide and direct everything that's said here. My heart is all over the place. My mind is all over the place. But I don't matter. You do. So let this just be your voice in Jesus' name. Amen? So now we will go to Exodus. And my brothers and sisters, obviously, um, Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, probably Paul is referring to that, or Holy Spirit is referring to that. So now we're going to jump into Hebrews um, chapter 2, and I'm, uh, in verse 23. Exodus. I'm sorry, please forgive me. You're right, thank you. Exodus chapter 2, beginning in verse 23. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And they cried out, and their cry came to God because of their bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. My brothers and sisters, um, we, we're, I think we're all familiar with this, but we know at this point that you know, Israel is in bondage to Egypt. And um, they, were, they made their way to Egypt, obviously, because God did a miraculous and mighty work um, through Joseph. And Joseph became uh, the second leading uh, figure on all of the earth, the second most powerful man on all, on all of the earth under Pharaoh. Um, and he was Hebrew. So now many years go by, and um, as you say, if we would go back and read in um, Exodus 1, you'll see that the... Uh, former Pharaoh is looking upon the children of Israel and now he don't remember Joseph. It's been years and he doesn't remember Joseph, but he just sees now the children of Israel multiplying and gaining and he starts to get worried. Fear comes upon him and he says if, if they unite with one of our enemies, we'll be overtaken. So he wants to make sure that that doesn't happen and one of the things that he does is that he commands all of the midwives, the, the Egyptian midwives, as the, as the Hebrew women are given birth, you will kill all of the men, the, the, the male child, children, and you could save the female children, but you'll kill you know, all of the men, throw them in the river, and so on and so forth. And we know that that doesn't happen. The midwives fear God, and, and they, they, they don't do it. So now when Pharaoh hears about this, he's a little bit upset, and you know, what's going on? Well, this is what the midwives say. The, basically, I'm going to say in toning language, you know, the, the Hebrew women are, are more healthy. They're more stern, sturdy, if you will, uh, and, you know, by the time we get there, the babies are already born, right? So God blessed those midwives. He gave them homesteads. He gave them families. He blessed them because they protected his people, amen? That's the way it goes. So now we come forward to Exodus 2 and just what we just read in the process of time, this other um, Egyptian prince, or, or I'm sorry, Pharaoh died, and the, now the children of Israel are beginning to groan about where they are. Now they're recognizing that you know they've put they've been putting uh, burdens and they're highly oppressed and they're starting to feel it, 
and their cry came up before God. Very important. This is mentioned a handful of times as you go through and you've done your own studies, I'm sure. You'll see where it says God identifies himself in this book and he says, um, I remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He remembers his covenant with those. He identifies himself with those folks as it relates to, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's very important. Why? Because there are many gods. People at that point have, they're pagan, they're worshiping the sun. In, in um, Egypt, they're worshiping Ra, the sun god, other gods, so on and so forth, and still do. So, uh, you know, they're worshiping stars, they're worshiping different things, right? They're worshiping objects, raising totem poles, worshiping trees that stay green in the winter. They're anything and everything that they can. Uh, they have all of these superstitions and things of that nature. But God, when he speaks, he's making sure that there is no mistake in who he is. I'm that God. I'm the one that spoke to Abraham. I'm the one that called Abraham out. I'm the one that called you a people. I'm the one. Amen? So now look, as Christ, well, we're not Israel. Yes, we are. We've been grafted in. Okay? So now we're a part of that tree. We've been grafted in. Amen? So this is just as pertinent and real to you and I today as it was to them back then. Amen? Okay, so now if we could agree on that, then I, I just really know Holy Spirit will work something in us this morning. So we're going to jump far ahead now to Numbers chapter 13. In Numbers chapter 13, we read, uh, beginning in verse 25, they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran. At Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him, saying, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And they showed him. So watch. Why am I saying this? Remember, a lot of stuff happened between where we were in chapter 2 where we read and now where we are now. Now they've made it all the way around and they're standing on the edge of this promised land. Are you with me? Okay, so they're standing on the edge of this promised land. It's just like God had described it to them. Amen? Okay, so we find ourselves right here. But there's a lot of stuff that happened between then. And my brothers and sisters, uh, it's been on my heart for a couple of weeks now. It's the in-between that counts. It's the in-between. And, you know, this has become cliche. On the tombstones, when you go into a, a cemetery, you see the, the date of birth and the date of decease, and you say, well, it's the dash that counts. Well, to a great degree, absolutely, positively, without a shadow of a doubt. In this case, I'm just going to tell you, it's not necessarily the dash because I may never die. There, may, there is not an exp- expiration date on old Tony. Amen. He may split the sky tonight and there never, ever, ever may be a tombstone with my name on it and my body in the ground. Amen. He can come back tonight and that will, that will never happen. And so the dash don't mean nothing to me. What, what means something to me is everything that happens between when God called me out and when he calls me up. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so what happened between where we started in, in, in Exodus 1 and 2 and then Numbers 13? That's what's important. The first thing that happened was, we know that in chap- between chapter 1, God is already at work. See, that story, it was very important that we understand the oppression and what the uh, Pharaoh was thinking and what he was doing and what he tried to do to the children of Israel and the firstborn. Because if you were with us on Wednesday night, I know some of you were, uh, you know, God first had to raise up a leader. Yes. 
And he raised up a leader. He had it planned. And so you know now that uh, they're, they're going to kill all of the, the, the babies. They just say, now we're just going to throw them into the river. So instead of depending on the midwives now, he's just saying, okay, now all of the, first, all of the male children are going to be thrown into the river. Okay, so now what Moses' mom, but the Bible tells us very specifically that Moses' mom and dad looked upon Moses and he was beautiful. And like I shared with the folks on Wednesday, does that mean if he was an ugly boy they would have killed him? No. They would have thrown him in the river? No. But it spoke to something that God was in the middle of. God is in the middle of this situation. So whether they just saw a beautiful baby and they couldn't find it in their heart to throw him in the river, God was in the middle of that. So whether or that they just knew that they knew that they knew that God said this baby is born for my use. This baby has a call on his life. This baby is not to be killed. Either or, it doesn't really matter. We just know that God was in the middle of that working something out. And Moses was put in the basket. And Moses was saved by no other than the uh, uh, daughter of Pharaoh. So he's raised now and he's being well educated. But we know what happens. It's still on his heart. Because he was born with this purpose. Remember on Wednesday, he was born with this purpose. God had a purpose and a plan for his life. So when he became of age, when he was grown and he became of age, he saw one of his, he wanted to be identified as a Hebrew. He's educated. He knows about the enemies. He knows about the Philistines. He knows about these foreign lands. He knows about the Egyptian gods. He knows about as, as highly educated as he could attain, he attained. But he also knew about the Hebrews. And he also knew something about the Hebrew God. But he wanted to be identified with God's people. He wanted to be identified with the Hebrews. So he sees one of his brethren being taken advantage of. And he went ahead because that was in his heart. To take care of his people. To be identified with his people. He acted in the flesh. He had no spirit. He had no guidance from God. And he acted in the flesh. Committed a crime. And it drove him in through, through the wilderness. He had to go and hide out. And we know what happens. I don't want to rehearse the whole story for you. Many of us know exactly what happened. Moses gets an education now, a spiritual education. Amen? Amen. So now God speaks to Moses. as Moses, now Moses is halfway comfortable now. See, because Moses is also, you know, he's got that shepherd's heart. He's got that leader's heart. And so he ends up leading a flock for his father-in-law, right? And he's, he's on the other side of the mountain of God, and he's out there leading his flock. He's fulfilling part of what he, he's called to do. Only with, you know, it's not the flock of God, it's the flock of his father-in-law. But he was called, so inside him, he's fulfilling something. He's helping people. In fact, he met his wife because he was, you know, the women would, instead of being oppressed by foreign shepherds, that Moses stepped in and protect them and help them water their sheep. So he has this in him. So right now, I'm saying all this to say to you that Moses is halfway comfortable. He's fulfilling. He's on the other side of that mountain. He's out there. He's tending his flock. He's feeling pretty good. The Bible says that, that he was, he was okay, he was, he was comfortable. But then God stepped in, then God spoke to him. And that changes everything. So let me read to you out of Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Can I tell you something? God knows your sorrows. Now, that's, I, I know that that sounds, oh yeah, okay, big deal. I know that, Tony. Everybody knows that, big deal, okay. 
You didn't have to tell me that. Okay, well then, why are you carrying them? Why are you letting them make decisions for you? Why are you letting it affect you? Right? Now watch. I know what you're going to say. How easy for you, Tony. You don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, I know. And I've never gone through anything in my whole life. Come on. Young people, some of the things that you're going through, they're important to you. So when, when I say things or when an adult says things to you like, oh, don't worry about it, it'll work out and all that, it's not because we're minimizing what you're feeling or what you're going through. It's real. We understand that. But we also understand a little bit more because we've lived past it. So please don't mistake us for saying to you, hey, uh, you know, it's gonna, it, you, it'll work out. You know, that we think that it's not real or that we don't feel sincere empathy for you because we do know what you're going through and we do know that it's tough. But we also know that you're going to make it through. Amen? Okay, so, uh, for I know their sorrows, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good land, a large land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, and all the ites and tites. Amen? Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This is this call of Moses. And we know that Moses and, and God go back and forth. And Moses is trying to, you know, it's not me. You know, basically, I, I can't pick somebody up. Not me. They're not even going to believe me. How are they know? And, and God goes back and forth with them. And then one of the things that Moses says, listen, he's, he says, when I go, they're going to want to know who sent me. I am that I am. The, the self-existing one that always existed. The eternally existing one. Right? So, so now, as they continue, God says this to Moses. Go and gather the elders of Israel. This is verse 16 through 18. Go and gather the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me saying, Uh-oh, remember what I told you? The Lord, God of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God of your fathers. He's identifying, I'm not one of these other gods. I'm not one of these that you've been accustomed to, that you've come accustomed to in Egypt. I'm the true, I'm the living God, I'm the one. Amen? I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. I want to pause there before we put verse 18 up on the board. Listen. Watch. Why a land flowing with milk and honey? See, for us, maybe it doesn't have as strong an impact. I mean, we know that it could be talking about, you know, we could say, we use that kind of as a, as a metaphor. We use that kind of, you know, uh, you, know, it, you know, we have plenty. We're, we're flowing with milk and honey. We have plenty of things to sustain us, right? And that's really what it meant to them as well. There's going to be, you don't have to worry about being enslaved. You won't have to worry about being ground to the dirt, Right? And, and, and if, it, if it was an agrarian culture, you're not going to have to worry about um, you know, so much of the, the sowing and so much, you know, your life is, is just totally dependent on what the weather's going to do. What he's saying is, I'm bringing you to this land. And we find out later, God tells them, you haven't done anything. You haven't, you haven't plowed it. You haven't, but I'm bringing you to this land. This is your land. This is the stuff. This is what I had planned for you. This is what I'm bringing you to. But see, more than that, more than that. We know, because spiritually, let's, let's, how does that relate to us today? 
right? Okay, I, I believe that everything in here is real and relevant for us today. So how could we, you know, how does that, because, you know, none of us in this room, I think, are hurting for money as it relates to being able to buy food, place a roof over our head and all that. And if you are, you know, who to, you know who to go to. But my brothers and sisters, think about this. So is this as impactful to us? Does this mean as much to us as it would to them? You know, if, if you know, I could just imagine they're being ground t- to the dirt, literally. And now God is promising through this property, saying, go and, and I've promised you, I'm going to bring you to this place where that is all over with now. You're going to be taken care of. You won't, have to gr- you won't have to watch your babies go hungry anymore. You won't have to hear a crying baby g- at night because they're hungry. You won't, uh, come on, you won't have to worry about grinding it out during the day and maybe get a little something for your family. No, I'm going to take you. I've got this place already picked out for you. And when you go to that place, you're going to find this is waiting for you. Hallelujah. See, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Glad you didn't answer. Verse 18, Then they will heed your voice, and you you shall come, excuse me, and the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Wait a minute. I thought they were going to this land flowing with milk and honey. No. The initial goal, the initial is I'm taking you out of that to me. I'm bringing you from there to me. Not to this place that you've made up in your mind or that you already have pictures of that I've allowed you to have pictures of. Right? He told them, a land flowing with milk and honey, so it's not a sin to imagine what that might be like, but that's not the total object here. Come on. Don't sleep on me. Come on. So let's jump ahead to verse, uh, I'm sorry, to chapter 5, Exodus 1 and 2. Moses and Aaron went and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. I, 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 I don't think I put it up there, but here's what Pharaoh says. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. You hear what he said? I do not know the Lord. I'm not going to let Israel go. He's about to know him. <laughs> he is. He's about to know him. And see, now, now listen. That, and, and that's, that's serious. God, because God did say that. Pharaoh's heart is going to get hard. I'm going to do this. I'm going to command this. He's not going to do it. But this is because then all of Egypt is going to know who God is. Just like everybody Everybody knows there is no excuse that God really exists. I didn't say that. If someone says they're, they're uh, an atheist, that's because they want to be. They're trying to be. Because inside of them, they know that there's something bigger. Not because Tony said so, but the Word of God says so. So you've got to want to look for something bigger than you. And if you call it science, then you're a fool and you're a liar. Because you know that there is a God. Hallelujah. Man, oh man. So why in the world? I, you know what? I, I want to. I, I got to push on this just a little bit. Here we are, and we find ourselves in this point on God's timeline. And here we are. Hopefully, everybody in this room and, and everybody listening, which I know they're not, but hopefully, or wish, wishingly, or praise God, by the end of this message, you know, everybody's born again. 
So if we're born again, and we know God, we know the true and living God, why should we be embarrassed? Why should we be shy? Why should we make excuse? Why should we even feel a little bit taken back by the Word of God and feel like we have to make, well, excuse or explain it in a way? Like, you know, no, He's God. And if I know that I know that I know that He's God, I am not going to apologize or be embarrassed about anything that He says. But so many of us are, make excuses and try to change it a little bit and make it just a little bit more pleasant so that people will hear it. It, No, no, He is God. I can't change it, I don't want to apologize for it, and I'm not going to mess with it. He's God. I'm not. And I'm not going to apologize for any bit of that. So now let's go to Exodus, uh, still in uh, chapter 5, verse 4. The king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. See, watch. Remember, not too long ago, probably within the last two weeks, Matthew chapter 11, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Right? Isn't that Jesus? He's going to give us rest. Look, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Okay. Man, do you see this? Egypt, God's children are being ground to the dust purposely keeping them under so they don't rise up and, and live the victorious life that God has called them to. Come on, somebody. Come on. Can you hear that? See, he, they're being ground. The enemy of their soul, the enemy of our soul, wants to keep us burdened and bruised so that we cannot enter into God's rest. Jesus says, Come unto me, all you are labor and are weary, and I will give you rest. My, take my yoke upon you. What, what does he say? Learn from me. I I know he's going to shout me down then. I'm telling you, learn from me. How do we learn from him? Look Look at his life. Read his word. Pray to him. Ask him to commune with you. By his spirit, he will. You'll learn from him. Hallelujah. So verse 6. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves and you shall lay, lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it. Now let me pause here. So now what the, he's saying is you're going to go ahead and you're going to met, where they, they used to have the straw supplied to them and make their bricks. Uh-uh. Now they got to go do both. They got to go supply their own straw, make their bricks themselves and we're not going to reduce the quota. We're going, to put, we're going to make it harder for them. Did you hear that? We're going to make it harder for them. Are you, are you there? We're going to make it harder for them. So now let's look at uh, the rest of the verse. For they are idle. Therefore they cry out saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid upon them, that, on the men, excuse me, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. Okay, so watch. Let's... let's Think about this. See, now I'm thinking about this, and I'm saying, okay, Lord, you know, we're, we are a New Testament, New Covenant church. Thousands of years later, after this actually happened, how does this apply to us? So let's look at it. They're idle. Well, they're idle. He's, what he's calling idle was their time with God. Okay. <clears throat> no more churches allowed to meet because of this pandemic. 
Oh, there you go. Okay, there I go. It worked. It worked. It's right. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. We want to serve our God first. See, the, the, now, now watch. The people of Israel did not rise up and go on strike. They didn't. They were still doing what they were doing. And evidently doing it well. They didn't rise up and go on strike, but they took time to acknowledge Moses and Aaron and they're listening to the word of God. Are you there? The enemy of their soul says, okay, I'm going to try to dissuade them from worshiping their God, from hearing the word of God. And by the way, he says false words. False words, which is the same thing that they're trying to teach our young people, that the things that we preach are not true. They're outdated. The Bible has to be reimagined. Come on. So listen to me. Can I relate to this? You're darn right I can relate to this. It's the same. My brothers and sisters, the enemy of our soul is the same now as he was then. He's going to do what he can to do anything we can to be anything he can to get us distracted from spending time with God, from hearing what God has to say. Are you with me? Okay. So put down those phones. Shut off that television. Come on. Go to church. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Especially when you see that day coming. It's upon us. But look, let, let more work be laid on them. I gotta get I gotta get more. I gotta do more. I I, I, I come on. Yo, I, 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 got this, I got this house, but if I just had a little bit bigger house, or I got this car, if I just had that one, if, uh, you know, I, I, you know what, whoa, 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 look at this. And everything is designed, if you think about everything that's advertised, if you think about Madison Avenue and what they're doing all the time, they're always trying to show us the things that we don't have that we should be going out and getting. Am I wrong? No, they make money over even you know, well, I don't watch TV, Tony, so I don't watch those television. I don't care if you're on the internet, guess what? You're on the internet, you're getting there, there's there's advertising going on. That's how they make their money. Come on, that's how they're making their money. You ever go online, you, you search for something, and then next time you come up there and those th- you got ads for whatever it is what you're searching for? Man, you guys, are you hearing what I'm saying? They know what you're searching for. They're trying to... So what am I saying? So there, look, look, this is what's always being put before us. So now in order to afford that thing, I'm going to have to make sure that I'm working, my wife's working, you know, and then when the kids get of age, they better be working. Are you listening to me? Okay, my brothers and sisters, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Striving for more and more and more and more, more here. Well, we told you, we got to live, we got to... Yeah, I know. But they, now here's number two thing. Number two thing says, look, if, the, if you're, if, if, you know, we're the best thing that ever happened to you, we're going to make sure that, you know, when you have babies, we're going to pay for them. Um, and when you need this, we're going to go ahead and we're going to provide you with uh, money. Uh, we're going to give you cards and, you know, we're going to send you to the doctor and we're going to pay for all of this and we're going to help you out. Okay. That, they just became your master. I, you know, Michelle and I, I, I'm just telling you, I say too much. I'm, I'm just telling you. I told Michelle, if the Lord tarries and I have to retire, I'm not counting on Social Security. 
And the reason why is it may still be in existence. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I've been paying into it all of these years because I've been working a long time, Mary. I'm old. I've been working a long time. So I've been working a long time and paying in all these years. But even if there's some left, when I finally retire, they're going to make me try to jump through hoops to get it. Well, maybe by then you won't be able to get it until you get shot. Get a shot. Ain't going to happen. And I don't care whether you get a shot or not. That's between you and God. I'm not saying that's the market. But if you're going to say that you're... you're well, if you, want your, if you want your spaghetti, Tony, you're going to have to come over here and get the shot. Otherwise, you can't buy the spaghetti. Ain't going to happen. I'm coming to eat with... I'm going to get me some greens and fat back. Catherine, I'm going to have a feast in Catherine's house. No, do you understand what I'm saying to you? See, now, I made that kind of a joke. But that's what is going probably to end up happening with some of us. We're going to have to depend on each other. I don't know what hoops they will or will not make me jump through in order to get my social security, but I'm not going to depend on them. But that's my point. Young people, old people, everybody in between, when you go ahead and you subscribe to those things and you stop looking at God who has, listen, he's already given you the promised land. Spiritually, yeah. But I still got to eat, Tony. I'm still living in the body. Yes, you do. But don't just remember what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All what things? He just finished talking about those things, food, clothing, a roof over your head. He, he, he just finished talking about all of those things. But see, when, we want, when those things aren't good enough for us, you know, we're striving. We want to be more comfortable. We want to have more of this. We open ourselves up. We're allowing now the enemy to go ahead and keep us more occupied. So, so he says, I'm going to give them more to do. Right? I'm going to make them, I'm going to crush them into the ground even more. But, I, but, he, but again, I, 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 this just jumped at me. I, I, I've read this and many of you, and if some of you, help me out here. But when, when he says, uh, let me just go back to nine. Let more work be laid on the men that they may, be, may labor in it and let them not regard false words. That really didn't jump at me until I just read it again this week. He's calling the word of God false. My brothers and sisters, remember so much of what's said in this book to us, these people, uh, we who would be living in the last days. It's, reg- it's saying, you know, look out for the false teachers. So we, it's incumbent upon us that we know that the enemy may be pointing to, to things that are false and saying it's real, and vice versa, conversely, saying that to things that are real and calling them false. Did I say that right? Did you hear that? So what we need, it's, that's why. We need to read so that we know. We don't take Pastor Tony's fault. We don't take Joel Olstein's uh, word for it or, or anything like that. We are reading ourselves. And when we hear something, we're measuring against what the Word of God says. We're being like the Bereans. We're going to measure it against the Scriptures. Amen? Okay, so now I'm going to jump ahead to um, Exodus 13. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go. See, I'm going to pause here because I got, there's a lot of history that we just skipped. But, but Moses and, and Aaron do go before Pharaoh. And just like God said, Pharaoh's heart became hard. And remember, there were the ten plagues, right? And then the last plague was the firstborn 
of all males of, of any living thing that was outside the lentil in the doorpost covered in blood, which was spoke to the lamb that God was going to slay, that God himself was going to let his blood be spilt that we might live. Remember, that spoke to that. And so that was the first Passover that ever took place. And so my brothers and sisters, so God was not only protecting Israel in the moment, but he was also speaking what was going to happen way down yonder. Amen? All right. So now it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines. Although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Let me, let me, remember, remember the, stay with me. Remember where we are. It's the in-between. What's the in-between? So now, when the people, when God starts moving them out of Egypt, he goes in the other direction. He's leading them in the other direction. Right? There was a shorter route. But God explains it through his scripture right here. If, they, if he would have taken them on the shorter route, then there would have been war. They would have been attacked. And these people are not used to that right now. They've been slaves for all of these years. They don't know anything. Their culture is you're being ground into the dirt. They don't know how to stand up for themselves as of yet. And that's what he's saying. If the Philistines would have attacked them, that's the enemies of the Egyptians. They're running back to Egypt for their defense. Are you with me? Okay, so big deal, Tony. Why would Tony, Pastor Tony, leave that in there? Hopefully Holy Spirit is leading us. Because here's the thing, my brothers and sisters. So many times we're looking for the easy way. Or that way that seems right to us. But we don't feel totally comfortable on the inside. We're having a check go off. That's Holy Spirit saying, not that way. Come on, somebody listen. Somebody's hearing me. Not that way. Come on. See, this is what God is saying. Not that way. Not that way. I know when we go that way, I know what's waiting. I know how you're going to react. I'm protecting you from something that I know is going to happen. How many times have you made a decision in your life, and this was over the last few weeks when we've had messages, and this was one of the things that came up. Some of the things that we suffer is because, not because God abandoned us, but we made a bad decision. So we made a bad decision and God still didn't abandon us even in the middle of our bad decisions which caused us to be in the middle of not so nice circumstances. God is right in the middle of those circumstances with us. He'll never leave you forsake you. And he says, look, what, what? And he's going to go ahead. You look to me right now. Yeah, you made the mistake. You look to me right now. And I'm going to take this thing that the enemy wanted to destroy you with and I'm going to turn it out for your good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So look, whatever you're going through right now, whatever bad thing, uh, whatever it is, listen, get a hold of God. He's there with you if you will acknowledge Him, if you will grab hold of Him. And when you grab hold of Him, and from this time forth, you follow His lead. He may take you the long way, baby. You may, oh no God, I don't want to go there. But when the Spirit of God is arresting your heart and you can't get a peace about going your own way or you know that your way hasn't worked out up till now, try Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It may not look right, but it's the one that's going to lead to your success. It's the one that's going to lead to your deliverance, Israel. Amen? Hallelujah. So now let's jump ahead to Exodus 14. In 14 verse 13, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation. Oh my gosh. I, I got to give you... See, remember now, they're going the, wrong, they're going the long distance. They're, ta- they're, they're going the opposite direction. Now they get, they get up to the Red Sea. Pharaoh has 
he has second thoughts. He has, he has buyer's remorse. He hears that they're out, and not only did they leave, they're leaving with some riches. Remember? They're leaving with some riches, they're leaving with some fortune, and they're going. And Pharaoh all of a sudden has second thoughts, and he says, mount up, boys, we're going to fetch them and bring them back, because I ain't going to go ahead and do this work, and none of my peeps are going to do it. We need them to do the work. Let's go get them. Amen? That's, isn't that what happened? Absolutely what happened. So now the children of Israel are backed up against the Red Sea, and they see Pharaoh's army. And they're panicking. They're panicking. But God caused the wind. And he made that Red Sea part. But, my brothers and sisters, it's not like you saw in the Ten Commandments. You know, Charlton Heston didn't stand up there, raise his hands in the staff, and no. It took night. He made the wind blow, but there was a pillar, a cloud, that, that separated the children of Egypt from the children of Israel. Jesus stood guard, and he stood guard until it was time for their deliverance. My brothers and sisters, it may not look good now. It may not look like your deliverance is just on the other side. It may look like it's been a long time, and it might still be a long time. It doesn't matter because he's got your back. He's that pillar of cloud that's standing in between you and the enemy of your soul. Hallelujah. Just hang on to him. Hang on to him. Don't sell short. Don't take the easy route. Hang on to him. Hallelujah. Man, I'm about to bust. Hallelujah. Why don't we hang on to him? He's God. Why do we look for these other things to give us temporary satisfaction or pleasure in the moment so that we could forget? Take our mind off of it. When your mind is back on it, it's still going to be there. Come unto me. All you are, are, are labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Learn from me. What can I learn from Jesus in this situation? Jesus was lambasted all the time. He was always surrounded by people that wanted, and as long as he was doing what they wanted, he was loved. He preaches one message, talks, talks about, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have oh, this is too hard, and they walked away. And then the very people that should have known who he was don't know him, and they're going to kill him. And then one of his own that walked for three and a half years with him betrays him. You don't think he knows what you're going through? You don't think he knows about heartache and heartbreak? Remember when they told him that his friend Lazarus died? Remember he cried? He knew he was going to raise him, but why did he cry? Because he understood, man, this, this heartache, this heartbreak. He could see the, 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 the children, the, the, the relatives, the family members, the friends crying and grieving. And he said, man, this is not how it's supposed to be. But he's, there's this empathy, there's this sympathy. That, are you there? He knows how you feel. Learn from him. Well, what, what, what do you mean learn from him? Remember when he went into that garden. knowing that he was about to be tortured, knowing it, knowing he was going to be brutalized, but he got on his face and he said, Father, I'd like for this to pass from me. Nevertheless, your will be done. And remember where we were in past messages, not too far past. Right? Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for that, listen, for that, Joy that was set before him. Continue to run the race. What do I learn? I learned that Jesus had to suffer through some stuff, but the end of it was unbelievable glory for him and for me too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Learn from me. Hallelujah.
So, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. See, you're not even going to say anything. You're going to stand. You're going to watch it happen. And those same Egyptians that are giving you a problem that you're so worried about right in this moment, you'll never see them again. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I don't know how you... I, 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 I'm, a, I'm about to cut a backflip. I wish I was younger and I could cut a backflip up here. I'm telling you, my brothers and my young brothers and sisters, I'm not just trying to... I am truly amazed that you can't get excited about that. Because He promised them, He promised us. If God is willing to stand in between their enemies, right, and them, I know He's willing to stand between your enemies and you. And when God says, I can and will defeat your enemy, and you will never have to deal with that enemy again, but there's something that's required of you. Amen? Hold your peace. So now jumping ahead again. Verse uh, 30 of 14. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, the Israel, and, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Did, did you see that? Okay, so watch. Get this picture, right? The, the, the wind is blowing all night long. They get up. And now there's dry land. They're walking through it. They watch as the water collapses on the army of Egypt. Right? They, they're on the other side now and they're seeing bodies wash up. And so now, okay, and that says it right there, they saw the work that the Lord had done. They're acknowledging God did this. There's no way that that sea could part, fall in, crush their enemies. My brothers and sisters, young people, what, pe- what people are going to have heard this try to be explained away by so-called experts, well, you know, they really didn't walk across. God didn't hold back the water. It it could have been just, you know, it wasn't the season, it wasn't the flood season, and they waited for no flood season, then they walked across, and then the Egyptians caught up into a flood. No. It makes no sense. This happened, and it happened like God said that it happened. My brothers and sisters, and my young brothers, and my young sisters, they saw this great work Response. The people feared the Lord and they, they, they knew who Moses was then. Right? And I'm going to tell you, there were some Egyptians who knew who Moses and who the Lord was then too. My brothers and my sisters. They recognized Moses and now we know what happens. They start the journey. Now what was the goal? Anybody remember? Amen. Let them go three days' journey where they can sacrifice me, where they could serve me. See? So now, there's a lot of time that goes past now between this event when they actually cross over and then that event in Numbers 13 that we started the message with today where they're standing right on the edge of it about to go in. A lot of things happen. That's the dash for them. That's the dash. Okay? So now let's look at how did that, how does that again apply to me, apply to you? So now they get to the other side. 
and they start singing praises to the Lord. Moses has this song, and then um, Miriam, the, 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 his sister, the prophetess, she starts singing. He gets timbrels, and all the women start dancing, and they're singing, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and a rider thrown into the sea. And they're singing praises and dancing, and they're, they're elated. God has just crushed the army of their enemy. Hallelujah. So they start their journey now. Okay? Now when I read this, I look at me. I was in darkness. I was a slave to sin. I met Jesus. He called me out. I made it to the other side. Let me read to you. Colossians 1. He has delivered us. He has delivered. See, salvation, that Hebrew word for salvation and saved, part of, it's, it's delivered. So he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his, the Son of His love, in whom he, he, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. 1 Peter 2.9 You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but now you are a people, you're the people of God. Amen? That was uh, 1 Peter 2. Hebrews, last one, Hebrews. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had power over, uh, over death. Are you with me? That is the devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. When I became born again, I was taken out of that bondage. I was transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Are are you there? So any of you who've been born again, that's what happened. He took us from where we were. We were these slaves to sin and to the, the prince and the power of the air. And he freed us from that. He took us to the other side. And he's mapped out a road for us. He's got a path for us. The dash. The dash sometimes is hard. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, when, when I illustrated for you, or when the scripture illustrated for us, that God took them the long way. Because God knew what was waiting for them the other way. Sometimes God is telling you and I not to take the shortcut, not to do what seems easy, not to what appeals to our flesh, but listen to that still small voice on the inside of us and do the thing even when it does, it, and then a whole, everything in us is fighting against it. But we know Holy Spirit is setting off a check in us. Amen? Hallelujah. So I see Israel, and I see they go a little ways. And first thing, no water. And now they're, they're saying, man, it was better back there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just saw what he did to those people back there. You just saw his power. And that's what it said, right? The mighty power of God. They saw the power of God. So now you're not going to trust him to give you water? Come on. Tell the truth. If you were there, you would have probably spoke up and said, come on, guys. Let's, come on. God, didn't you just see what God did? Either he's got a well over here somewhere or something's going to happen. God, let's get on our faces just to ask God. He didn't bring us out here to kill us. 
let's just ask God. He'll supply the water. You would have been one of them, wouldn't you? (laughs) Knowing what we know now, well, you know it now. So why aren't you using it now? See? See how easy it is? Yeah, but this is different, Pastor, because fill in the blank. Because why? Is he still God? Has his power diminished from then till now? Does he still do miracles? There's some miracles in this room. Of course he does. So why would we be like them? And say, no, 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 I want to go back. See, remember when, when God was preparing Moses? There's this thing that happened. What happened? When God first appeared to Moses, remember, he was a flame in a bush, and the bush wasn't consumed. And when Moses noticed it, he was going to turn to face it. And that's when God spoke to him immediately. Don't do that! And take off your shoes, because the ground that you're on is holy ground. Moses heard that. What did he do? He got on his face. He started to worship God. Do you know what else? When Moses was going back and forth with God, and he was talking about God, he's not really the the man for the job and all that, and then finally so forth would say this, well, I'm not eloquent. I can't even speak. God gets frustrated when he says, okay, listen, here's what's going to happen. Your brother Aaron is going to speak for you, and you're going to be like God to Pharaoh. Does that mean that God was saying Pharaoh needs to worship you? No. He's saying, the word that I give you, that's the word of God. When I, when I give you that word to Pharaoh, Pharaoh needs to obey that because that's me speaking to him. However, he, Aaron will be like your prophet. You're gonna speak, Aaron's going to say the words, right? Now remember, Moses is out there. He's with the priest of Midian. Now Aaron is his older brother. Aaron's still in um, Egypt. So he speaks, he, God speaks to Aaron and tells him to go to meet his brother. And know what it says? It says in the Bible, when they met, they talked. They talked about what God told each. And then, you know what they did? Okay, let's drop the plans. How are we going to do this? No. You know what they did? It says in the Bible, they worshipped God together. They worshipped. They, see, my brothers and sisters, sometimes we skip that part. And that's what I'm trying to say to you. Israel had in their mind, we're going to this promised land. We're going to have it easy. That's not what the dash was all about. The dash is, you're coming out here and remember, I'm God. You're coming out here to serve me. To worship me. To acknowledge me. And here, I'm going to give you proof that I am God. The one that spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of your fathers, I'm going to show you. He did. He, all of those plagues flew right in the face of all of the Egyptian gods, didn't they? Yes. He, I am the God, the true and living God. And then when the Egyptians' mighty army tried to... God showed them. He wiped them out. My, come on. So now what? What are you waiting for? Don't wait for anything. If you've crossed over, if God has called you from the darkness into His marvelous light, if you are now a child of the Most High King, if you now are living in His kingdom, if you're born again... What are you waiting for? Uh, 
well, th- these things are bad. They're having... No, you have to worship Him. You need to have an encounter with God. If you went up to the altar and you prayed, Jesus, I, I'm, uh, come into my heart, change my life, and all this other stuff, and then you walk away and you go, and that's it. That's it. That is it. But when you go to the altar and you acknowledge, my brothers and sisters, that you know, I need to... Jesus, I love you. I, I, I want to repent. I want to change. I want you in my life. You're God. So when you acknowledge that He is God, then you have to treat Him like God in your life. You have to stop having all of these other things, including yourself, as God. You have to start putting Him first. You have to start worshiping Him. Boy, this, all, this message all of a sudden came boring, didn't it? You should see some of you. My brothers and sisters, this is the meat and potatoes of this message. We can learn from them. So they get all the way to the edge of what their goal was. Remember, God's goal is knowing Him, fellowship with Him. See, remember what Pharaoh said. What did he say? Who is the Lord? I'm not going to listen to Him. I don't know Him. You don't know Him. But He wants to know you. And remember, those of us who study together, this knowing isn't just having a mental uh, ability to, 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 to meet and greet. This is, this is not just this intellectual, know Him on an intellectual level, acknowledge that He exists, read His Word. And, oh yeah, No, this is talking about being intimate with Him. This is talking about living every day, wanting to know Him better, wanting to know Him more. Just, good morning, Jesus. Help me this day. When you're meditating on the Word day and night. What, 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 no, you're thinking about Him. You, when you're driving from uh, here to there, you're paying attention to the road, but you're still singing praises to Him. You're, you're still acknowledging. When, when you meet somebody, sometimes, okay, Lord, is, uh, is this the person that you want me to minister to? I mean, or, you know, favor. Give me favor, Lord. Give me favor. Somebody that might be a potential boss, you're going to an interview. You know, you shake their hand, you sit down, or whether they're just bumping fists or whatever it is, favor, Lord, favor. You're always thinking and meditating on the Lord. Come on. See, that's, that's, that's what being His child is about. Not, okay, I got this problem. Huge problem. Okay? First place you go. Pastor Tony, no. 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 First place you go, God. God. And, and, and my brothers and sisters, when you're having to make a decision, no matter what the decision is, God. The dash. That's what the dash is all about. When God brought them out and He showed them who He was, He's saying, okay, now come and worship me. What he's not saying is bow down before me because now I'm going to grind you into the dirt. He's saying, no, come, let's have fellowship. Come, worship me because in that worship, I'm going to show you me. I'm going to come near you. Did you hear that? Oh, God, I'm going to come near you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you're worshiping me, I'm coming near you. We're having fellowship. And then when you get into that promised land, see what happens. That whole time, it was just up and down. It was all according to their problems, their likes, their dislikes. And then finally they get to the edge of the promised land and you know what happened. Sent 12 spies out and, and 10 of them come back with a bad report. Oh, it's flowing with milk and honey. It's just like God said it was. But big problems here. Well, what's the big problem? There's giants in there. And we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. You're like grasshoppers in your own sight because you haven't been worshiping God. If you were worshiping God, you would have been just as big as giants or you would know that your God is bigger than any giant that you'll come up against. But you weren't worshiping. 
The whole time you're just looking at circumstances and situations. You're looking for somebody else to solve your problem, government. You're looking for somebody else to solve your problem, preacher. You're looking for somebody else to solve your problem, mommy. You're looking for somebody else to solve your problem, daddy. When God is right there saying, here I am, acknowledge me. God is there. He's for you. But we're looking at these problems. We're looking at what I don't have. And then we're going to see who we can blame it on. They blamed it on Moses. You took us out here so that we could die out here? How many times? So, now I know that, you know, let's just say that was me or you in the desert and we were following him and that would have happened. We said, Moses, I don't care what happens. I'm following you. You're God's man. They're right. My brothers and sisters, it's the same. It's the same. God, God is on your side. God is the one who called you out of darkness into light. So why did we stop following when we crossed over? Why did we think that, you know, now we're in the promised land, or now we've got all these promises, or now... No! You're still living the dash. They still had to live the dash. This is still about us learning how to become more and more dependent, more and more God conscious, more and more of Tony dying and Jesus living through Tony. More and more and more. Are you with me? No, but we, they saw that goal, the promised land, but then they couldn't go in. Why couldn't they go in? They wouldn't obey. They just wouldn't follow God. They did not trust God. Their disobedience, this wasn't punishment for disobedience. This is saying, look, you're not ready to go in. You can't, you're not worshiping. If they would have went in, it, it would have been a, a disaster anyway. Why? Because they, weren't, they, weren't they were going in for the goodies. It wasn't about worshiping God or bringing God into that land. Remember? And remember even Moses and God? God said, okay, I'm going, you, you can go in, but I'm not going with you. If you don't go... See, this is the difference between worship... Well, he was God's... No, this is the difference between worship and just having a mental disposition or wanting the goodies from God. Moses, God, if you don't go with us, I ain't going. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You can throw us in. Our God is able to save us, but even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow. Why? They knew God. Hallelujah. So we're going to go ahead and we look at these spittery circumstances in our life. But you don't know, Tony. I'm going to lose. I'm about to lose this. I'm about to... Everything that the locusts have eaten, God can restore. But you got to trust Him. you got to believe Him. Oh, that's all good talk, Tony, but those are just platitudes. No, it's not. I got those words out of the Word of God. And either it's all true or it's all false. And if you're here and you believe some of it's true, man, read all of it and you'll be able to live in victory. You'll know God is for you and you'll walk out of here and you'll know that you know that you know. Oh, you may stumble. Oh, you may have a problem. You may have, It's not going to be all sunshine and lollipops, but doggone it, you know that God is not going to leave you and as long as you follow Him, you're going to make it to the promised land. Amen? Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. I, I guess the praise team come forward. I'm, I'm not sure what we have. We're going to sing our way out of here, but before we do, as usual, I want to go ahead and I want to make this time available to anybody who is in this room or anybody watching or listening from wherever you are. Listen, if you're not sure, 
You prayed a prayer maybe when you were young, or you never prayed a prayer in your life. Or you just think by virtue of living in a family that call themselves Christians, that you're okay. I'm, I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. God loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you. But when he sent Jesus to die for you, it was for us to look at the love that he poured out for us and understand that we didn't deserve that, that we stink. And he had to die for us. And if I was all that, he wouldn't have had to have do, done that. Right, church? And he did that for me. So I go down to that altar and I receive what he did for me. And I say, okay, Lord, I, I acknowledge that I am sinful and I need to change. So now I want to, listen, I want to go to the other side, Lord, and I want to walk this walk with you. Amen? So if that's you, don't leave here. While we're singing, come down. Let's pray together. Let's, let's, and if, look, at, if you're embarrassed to come down here, but I wish you wouldn't be. There's no one in here that's going to make fun of you, think bad of you or anything else. And even if there was, later for them, they're not God. Just care what God thinks. Amen? And let, me, let me throw this at you as well. You've been praying, you've been asking, and it just doesn't seem to happen. And now is a good time. If the Holy Spirit has ministered to you, and you know that you know, anybody up here, and you know that you know that this is the time, let's do this. Let's touch and agree, and let's get this done. Amen? Amen. So now sing, and as you're singing, let the Holy Spirit move you. If He moves you, I'll, I'll, I'd love to pray with you. Amen? Amen. All right, let's bless you as you sing.